the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome into another Saturday on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Last week I hinted, you know, I recorded last week, and I hinted that I might be making a trip to Florida, and yeah. We drove to Florida Friday night, out on the water most day Saturday, Sunday, towed back Sunday night, got back at one thirty, and and one of the main reasons we went down is just to see what MLF was all about. Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour, inaugural event, and uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, a, a very good friend of this radio show fished that event, did very well in that event, and uh, is joining us today, Anthony Gagliardi. Man, I appreciate you taking time to be on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, always a pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah. Great first event for you. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I really couldn't have hoped that it could have gone any better. I mean, except for three places, but, uh, I mean, that was just a great start to the year. You know, anytime it was such a, a big and bold move for me, um, it was just, it was important that I just got the year started off on the right foot. I um, mean, you know, I didn't, obviously I wanted to do well, but, sure. you know, I probably exceeded my, you know, at least my acceptable expectations for that event. Um, you know, I just wanted to go down there and, and kind of, you know, I thought that maybe there was going to be a learning curve involved with yeah. the format. And, and I just, I just wanted to make sure that I had a decent tournament yeah. and, and didn't fall on my face. So it was definitely, definitely a good start to the year for me. <laughs> well, for the last 18 years, you have been on the FLW uh, tour, have done very well on that tour. Um, big change. Big change. Yeah, I mean, like a 180-degree change, mm-hmm. really. Um, yeah, I mean, I, FLW was, you know, that that's, what, that's where I built my career. You know, that's where I started uh, as a co-angler when I was in college and, and as soon as I graduated college and decided to, you know, try my hand at professional bass fishing. That's where I started, and you know, and and I learned a lot with FLW. Had a lot of great experiences with FLW. Yeah. Um, just you know, like I said, eighteen years, you know, eighteen years of my career, my entire career up yeah. until this point now was was basically there. So and it was it was you know a little bittersweet to you know see that come to an end. Um, you know, I'll, I'll miss some of the guys there, and obviously still I'll, I'll still talk to you know, some of the people. Um, sure. You know, that are that are in that organization and other fishermen, but um, it was you know it was just that it was time to turn the page. It was time to turn the page to a new chapter, and um, you know, I'm I'm excited about that that next part of my career. You were one of a, just a very few that actually had an invitation from the Elite Series and from MLF. Uh, yeah, um, it was it was definitely unique. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. You, no, no. Um, I had an I had an elite invite to begin with. You know, shortly after all the dominoes started falling and and the the major leagues started issuing their 
um, you know, their invitations and, you know, a couple guys from, um, FLW received initial invitations and then, you know, the league started looking for anglers to fill slots. Right. But they were, but they were losing and, you know, and, and I got a phone call from them and, you know, was fortunate enough to, to get a, you know, an invite over there, which at the time, I mean, I was really excited about. Yeah. Um, had actually, actually was going to accept that. Um, you know, I was, I was ready to, you know, to make that move from, from FLW to the elites and then, um, in the 11th hour, I, I received a, an invite from Major League Fishing. And so it just kind of uh, threw a monkey wrench into my, you know, plans and, and the way I think, thought things were going to be going for me. Um, that, that invite there definitely made me pause. And, and I took a day or so to reflect, um, you know, on, on how I thought each, each of those positions would be for me. And in the end, I mean, it, I made the decision to move to Major League Fishing, and mainly Mainly because if you looked at the guys that were, you know, they were already committed to go. Um, right. You know, the, the group of guys going re- really basically represented the, you know, the best of professional bass fishing. Right. And, you know, those, if those guys, you know, believed in their heart that, you know, that this thing was going to, you know, be a huge success, then I just didn't want to miss out on it. Um, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. I, I felt like that if I didn't take it, I would regret it. And, and so, you know that that's kind of what fueled my decision to to make that you know, to make that change. But then at the same time, I mean, there was a lot of evidence uh, in front of me that you know that supported that move. I mean, it just it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you can you could definitely see the momentum that Major League Fishing had, you know, coming into this just from their you know their prior seasons with their TV show. Right. Um, so I mean, there was. There was a lot to, you know, there's a lot to offer. I mean, it had a lot to offer in way of sponsorship, um, you know, angler, angler control, basically angler control over, over how the, you know, the formats are and our, and our rules. I and mean, it was just, it's an angler driven league. And, and that's, that's what's really cool about it is that it is driven by the 80 anglers that participate, uh, which is, which is definitely the first in this industry. Speaking of, sponsors and moving uh you've been with abu garcia now for a, a year or so and and you made a big move and went with berkeley i did um you know really really excited um about that move to berkeley i, I, I signed with berkeley for soft classics as well as as well as hard dates um and i'm super super excited about that i, I was already uh friends with a couple guys that were that were there and actually known them for you know quite a while. A couple of guys that managed the pro staff there, and so I've had conversation with them, you know, off and on over the years. Sure. And just with them being here, um, somewhat local to me, you know, here out of Columbia, right? It, it really made sense. And and Berkeley, you know, I've always watched, you know, as a fisherman, I always see you know, everybody knows all the new baits that come out. Sure. And I knew. And, and this didn't just happen now, but Berkeley had made a push. You know, they started making a, a push to really start making baits and producing baits that were, they were high quality, okay. uh, both plastic and hard bait. And so, um, when I had that opportunity, it was just, that was a no brainer. I mean, it, they, they made baits that I knew I could be successful with. And at the same time, um, you know, it, it's just a good fit for me with the people that were already there. So I'm really super excited about that. And then my first, Major League event. Um, <laughs> it's obvious. I mean, the, the Berkeley base paid off on this. Uh, yeah. uh, it was 
it was definitely the right decision for me. Good guests tend to lead you where you're where you're going anyway. But yeah, we're going to talk about that later <laughs> because you did you did use those Berkeley uh, a lot of Berkeley stuff this weekend uh, down in Florida, and it, it really did work out well for you. Um, yeah, man, I, I did. Falcon boats, Evan Rude motors, still the still the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I did get to, you know, the way I was fishing, I probably, I probably ran less in this tournament, in this event than I ever have in any <laughs> other event that I've ever fished. Um, so I didn't get to, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to put the time on my, my Evan Rude and Falcon that I normally do. Uh, but what little time that I did spend running, I still, I still got my normal, my normal, um, compliments coming from the marshals. Sure. And the, or the major league officials and the camera guys. I mean, everybody that gets in the boat always has something positive to say about it. Um, and that's even before you start. You know, that's just when they get in it. When they get in the boat, they sit down in the seats. Like, Man, I really like the way this thing's laid out. Or, you know, I like the way the, the grab handles are, are positioned. But, I mean, I just get lots of different, you know, lots of different compliments. But the first time you take out across the lake and, and there's a little chop on the water, that's when that's when their eyes get big. And I hold the cow, you know, I didn't. I never expected this boat to be able to ride that good. So, yeah, um, yeah I didn't. I didn't get to impress anybody with the rough water rides <laughs> down here at this one. So, and that's a good thing. I, I I'll be happy if I don't get to do that all year. Sure. And I won't. I won't be facing any kind of rough windy conditions to fish in. But if I do happen to come across that, I know that G two and the and that Falcon are going to get me where I need to go. We're going to hit a break here, but it's funny you said that because my mark my media boat driver on Sunday. Uh, was asking me about the Falcon and, you know, want to know more about it. And he got a kind of an up-close look at it. That one time we got up next to you, and he's like, dude, I got to get a th-. He wanted me to name off all the the uh, dealers and all, but he's going to come to the Classic and look at Falcon boats because they're going to be in Knoxville this year. So that'd be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, hang on, Anthony. When we come back on the other side, we're going to get into Lake Toho and the event down there a lot more detail. More Woods and Water South on the other side to break. And there is no Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. We are talking to Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour professional Anthony Gagliardi from Prosperity, South Carolina. Uh, we talked about, I mean, you got a great setup, Berkeley, Falcon Boats, Evan Rood. Now, Falcon, look, there's there's two. Berkeley's based there in Pure Fishing in Columbia. Falcon's in Newberry, South Carolina. We South Carolina ha- is deep in the fishing industry. You know what? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and that's what I always try to... You know, if I have the opportunity to support somebody local, I'd much rather do that. And it, and it really, it's really exciting when you get an opportunity to, to get with a sponsor that um, that makes a great product, but at the same time they're right in your backyard. And so, um, you know, I, I, there's several sponsors of mine that are like like Murray Country yeah. right here yes. um, in the Irmo area, the Palmetto State Armory down in Columbia. So I mean, I got several sponsors that are you know that are what I would consider local, and, and to me that just that makes it, you have more of a, you got a closer relationship with them. Sure. I mean, cause you can, you can see them on a more regular basis and not somebody that's across the country that you only maintain contact by telephone or emails or something like that. So I just think it makes for a better, makes for a better, um, relationship when you got somebody that's, that's around you that you can actually see and get in front of. How close are you with those guys over at Level Rods? I know, I know a guy. <laughs> 
I know a guy. <laughs> I absolutely love mine. I actually, uh, I, I, it's been kind of warm up here, and I, I went up to local Lake Robinson here, stood on the dock, and I don't know, threw several different ones of them the other day. I threw a crankbait rod. Uh, you got a little six eight. The I, I think it's a six eight casting rod you sent me for jerk right. baits. Um, uh huh. Yeah. You got you got some really good rods. Yeah, um, we do. I mean, you better keep keep staying warm like this. You better get that that wacky worm rod out and ready because that's going to be that's going to be a player. But um, yeah, I'm excited excited about our lineup right now. And, um, it's getting it's getting close to time to you know, look at bringing in a new a new model. Um, okay. I got I got one in the works right now that some prototypes are being built. I usually build my own prototypes, but I wanted to fish with with a prototype out of this next tournament, like Conroe. So okay. I'm actually getting my builder to build me a couple, and he's like 20 minutes from the lake out there. Wow. So I'm just going to head out to his place and and pick one up and and fish with it and see what I think. But um, yeah, I mean, I there, I have several models that are just you know so versatile and and, <laughs> and so good at you know multiple techniques that it's, it's just a good ride for somebody. You know, even if they're not wanting to fish. At a competitive tournament level, I mean, you can still, that's what's good about them. So you can, you can find a rod, uh, that will allow you to use, you know, several different techniques. And so you don't have to have a whole arsenal of rods to, just to be able to go out and enjoy, you know, a nice weekend day, you know, fishing with your kids or by yourself or whoever, whatever you, whoever you're going to fish with. So, uh, we definitely have a rod that's suitable for just about anyone and anything that you want to do. So that's the problem that kills me. I mean, we're standing there talking Saturday night, and you got that seven ten, and you're saying, "Oh, I throw a rattle trap on that, and I throw this on that, and I think it's just an all around good rod." And see, that just for guys like me who want an arsenal of rods, <laughs> you know, it's a killer. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's it can be, you know, <laughs> these rods are versatile. You can get by uh, using one rod for a lot of different things, but it sure is a lot more fun to have a collection oh, yeah. of them. Absolutely. That's, that's just like anybody that's into guns or into anything. Yep. Um, it's always more fun to to have more than more than one. And I'm gonna grow my collection of them shortly. I, I know I know somebody that can help you. Out okay, with that. I appreciate that. Let's talk about <laughs> Toho, uh, Florida Grass Lake, but MLF every fish counts. Every well, every fish over what a pound. Got to be sixteen ounces. Over six, yeah, yeah, it has to be sixteen ounces. Which changes the way you fish. Would it, would I be right in saying that? Uh, yeah, I mean, to you know, to a certain extent, depending on I think depending on where you are, it definitely would change the way you fish. And in Florida, would be would be at the top of the list at the, at the places that I would think that you would fish different under that format. Um, so many times. Small fish, um, or even average size fish are, are much easier to catch down there than, than your bigger fish that it typically takes to, you know, to do well in a five fish limit tournament. So in those tournaments, you're only trying to get five bites if you're fishing for big ones. So you can afford to fish like that. But in an every fish counts format down there, um, you can, you can do a lot of damage catching, you know, pound to pound and a half fish. And as evidenced by, you know, what I was able to do fishing the way that I did. Uh, no, but I never really. You did catch one that was, what, four pounds or so? Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, you can catch. It, yeah. It's not that I was doing something that you weren't going to catch. It's not that I was doing something you weren't going to catch big fish. But what I would say 
I, where I was fishing, I was catching smaller fish. And right. Typically, maybe you would make a move after a while trying to locate and target larger fish, whereas I just decided to stay there because I'm I'm still catching fish, and that's the name of the game. Yeah. So certain lakes you're going to go to, um, I mean, like Murray, for example, you know, if, if somebody told me to go out there and, and try to catch 20, or if they said to go out there and try to catch the five biggest you could, I do the exact same okay. thing for either one. Um, you know, a lot of lakes, that's how it's going to be. It just so happens that in Florida, you can get on smaller fish doing some things and, um, and you may, and that's, that's just your approach. I mean, it's just a different strategy when it, when it comes to an event like that. Well, let's talk about it because the format, the way MLF handles a day in a tournament is different. And let's, I want to go through some of this and get it from your, get it from your perspective. The first thing I noticed, that there's no real blast off and race to the first spot. You guys have like 30 minutes to get to where you want to start fishing because lines go in at 7:30 on a normal tournament day. What was that like the first couple of times you went out in the morning? It was it was definitely uh, a different feeling, um, especially since you know my my starting place or where I thought I was going to. That's the good thing about it is if you had a starting place and depending on what you were looking for, it might not end up being your starting place after you scout it for a little bit before lines in, but. Um, you know, my place that I was fishing was less than a mile or so <laughs> from takeoff. So I had 30 minutes to, you know, basically just kind of cruise around and, and, and look and, and, it, and that benefited me because I was looking for schooling fish. And so you could use that time to, you know, ride around and look for birds. And when I did, when I did get to that place that I was going to fish, you know, I had a chance to, you know, watch the birds, you know, because the fish aren't always going to be in the exact same place they were in practice. Okay. So I was able to kind of position the boat and move move to where I even saw fish breaking. I saw some fish break, so you just kind of you'd move that direction. And hopefully, the hope was to be um, sitting in the right spot when those when lines in. You're in the right spot where those fish were schooling. So that's that's what I, that was my plan, and it worked out pretty good that first day. And I remember that last ten minutes before lines in, I was power pulled down. And the fish were just schooling all around the boat, and, and I just had to sit there and watch them, which was definitely that was definitely a different feeling. Um, watching those fish break and and surface, and not being able to cast to them until your guy counted you down, you know, from a ten second, you know, until to, until lines in. Um, but it's definitely it's cool. I mean, if you were making a long run, you can use that time to you know make your long run and and that that eat up the clock like it would typically in a normal format of tournament. MLF is catch, weigh, and release. So there's, for the first time in 18 years, you probably never turned your live oil pumps on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I left them on empty all day. Um, a lot of guys are, are joking, and, and that was one of the questions that some of the media at Major League asked, like, what are we going to use our live oils for now, now that we don't ever have to put fish in them? <laughs> Uh, some people are saying they're going to use them for coolers. Sure. Some people are going to throw a tackle in them, they say. But um, it, it was definitely an odd feeling to have caught, to catch your first one and then they weigh it and then you just let them, you let them go. I'll, I always have a hard time letting go fish after I've culled in a typical event. You know, when you catch your six fish and you have to, you have to reach in your live well, you take your smallest one out and release them. It's always hard for me to release that fish. Um, it's just a, it's not a good feeling to let one go because you're always afraid. Well, am I sure that I counted right? And I'll look back in there and make sure that I had five <laughs> before I let him go. But even still, even when you knew you had five, 
when you let that fish go, it's, a, it's an odd feeling. So, um, but at the same time, I mean, it, you really appreciate how, you know, how beneficial that's going to be, you know, to, to the sport and, you know, to the resource itself. And I think it's a, it's a really cool way. That's a really cool format to have. So when you catch fish that you, you weigh them and release them right then, especially in the spring of the year, which we're coming up on, and sure. are going to be spawning and, and, and that kind of thing. So all these fish that are caught just are released and they get to go right back to where they were, you know, for somebody else to catch on another day. Um, I won't call it nap time, but there were two 15 minute breaks during the day. What, uh, and that's probably a good and a bad thing. I know you brought out something that was bad. Uh, but what do you, what do you think about the 15 minute breaks from an angler standpoint? I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, I was really, I was really into the breaks. I mean, uh, granted if the fish were, if the fish were schooling <laughs> all around the boat, you'd probably just assume, um, keep on going, but. Yeah, most of the time that's not going to be the case. That 15 minute break just allows you, it allows you, it's a reset basically. You get to sit down and, uh, this thing's, it's so intense that you're not going to take any time at all to drink or eat anything during, you know, during those two and a half hours of competition, right. you know, on the other side of the break. So it just gives you time to sit down, you know, grab a snack and, and something to drink. And a lot of times when we're fishing and people that fish a lot will, be familiar with this, and especially if you're fishing a tournament, you, know, you, you think of something that you need to do, whether it's to retie a knot or other bait that you think might would probably work, but you don't want to take the time to sit down and actually do that. That 15 minute break kind of gives you that time to sit down and, and make a few changes with your, your tackle or, or whatever and retie some things or get a new rod out of the rod box and tie, you know, tie something else on. So I like it. I mean, I think it was really cool. I'm, I'm glad that they've done that. What about the penalty time? Did you did you spend any time in the penalty box? Well, you know that I spent some time in the penalty <laughs> box. Um, I, I was in the, I was in the penalty box just a couple times. I was way below average, I think. Yeah. Um, and my penalties compared to the rest of the field, and and I one one of those penalties was intentional, but um, it's I mean it just adds a different it's just adds a different dynamic, um, you know, to the day. I mean, it makes you. It makes you pay more attention to the, you know, to the fish, um, yeah. your handling of the fish, how you land it, how you release it. And, and so, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, it, you know, people want to, they want to see you taking care, you know, of the bass as you catch them. And, you know, whether it's for television or people watching online, it, you know, that kind of forces us to, um, set a good example for people that are watching. So I think it's great that they, you know, have penalties for that. But there's penalties for a lot of different things. I'm sure you're probably going to ask me about one of those. In a minute, no, but, no. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it adds a dynamic to it for sure. We're good. Let's take a break. Uh, bottom of the hour news and all that good stuff. When we come back, we're going to talk about Saturday and Sunday. So hang on. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Today, I guess you'd say, is a recap of Major League Fishing. Uh, it was interesting. Now, this week, I got invited to be on the Anglers Channel. They had a their pod, weekly podcast, and and we were all doing it from the fan and the media side. So I got to give all my, what I thought about it the other night, and it's out there. If you want to go to anglerschannel.com and listen to a podcast, 
I think I'm on there for like 42 minutes. Now, I'm not talking the whole time. I, I, I think they like me, but I didn't talk a whole lot. But it was it was a fun thing to, to hear the fans, some of the fan feedback. And today on the show, I figured y'all would like to hear from the angler himself. So Anthony Gagliardi is with me. We've been talking for the last couple of segments about, you know, his history, FLW, the move to MLF. We spent the last segment talking about the MLF format. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about is is lines out, Anthony. I mean, when there's no check-in at the dock, so you guys get to fish right up till the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's huge too. I mean, that that enables you to to really um, when you're practicing, you can practice anywhere on that body of water that you want to, knowing full well that you get until that final that final second to fish, and you don't have to leave 30 minutes early to make sure you make it back to weigh in. So. Um, and that's the way, I mean, that, that's the way it should be. Um, I mean, if you find fish on the other side of the lake, you get to fishing for the same amount of time everybody else does. It just kind of, it really, it really puts everyone on the even playing field, uh, which is what they're trying to do. And that was what they want to do, the purest form of, of bass fishing. That's what they call it. So everybody's on as level of the field as it can be, and it's up to you know, the individual anglers to you know, make decisions and, and how they are able to catch fish. Um, that's what it's all about, pure competition. One thing we didn't, we missed, and that is the first four days of competition, because MLF fishes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But you guys get broken into groups of 40 for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and half of you fish Tuesday, the other half fish Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You go back as the first group and fish Thursday. The other guys that fish Wednesday get to fish Friday. What was it like having a day off in between two days of fishing? It was, it was nice. Um, I mean, it was really nice. I mean, you got to, you didn't have to worry about, you know, after that first day of competition, you got, you come back and we did our post game show and you weren't rushed to get back to the hotel and, and redo your line or your baits. I mean, you knew you had the whole next day to do that. So, um, just add a, it added a little bit of relaxation that we normally, you know, typically don't get in a, in a standard or in a normal format of tournaments. I, I mean, I like that. For sure. <laughs> and plus, I mean, you, you, if you were, let's say you happen to be fishing uh, something that nobody else had found, I mean, you're giving your fish a day's rest. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it just, uh, and by, by, by the same token, somebody on that next day could be fishing your fish and <laughs> you don't know about it. And that's another, you know, and that's another dynamic that's, you know, introduced in that format because it happened to me and it happened to a lot of guys whenever sure. we get out there on the, elimination round when guys were knocked out and then you got guys from group a and b fishing on the same day and then you were able then all of a sudden there may be some people in your area that you know from that other group so and yep. that's just something that i mean that's just another part of it another part of that format yes. but it, it just makes for a good storyline too yeah there's a little bit of clemson uh alabama going on out there saturday <laughs> yeah there was <laughs> me and uh randy howell were sharing some water and um, we've always had a little friendly, friendly rivalry when it comes to the national championship game. Although I didn't hear from him this year, he didn't he didn't seem too um, keen on on doing some type of Facebook bet or uh, anything like that this year. I think he might have he might have seen that Clemson train rolling along too well and didn't want to he didn't want to enter into that this year. So I have to I have to ask him about it next time I see him. There you go. Um, well, tell us about the fishing. Saturday and Sunday, I was there. Great trip down Friday night after all you guys, you and Andy and Marty all made Saturday's fishing. Uh, talk about what you did, some of the baits you used, and, and maybe how you could bring that back here in South Carolina, maybe at the same time of the year, maybe a different time of the year. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd. It's not so much about bringing it back to South Carolina, but I I, I took what I did in South Carolina and brought it to Florida. <laughs> okay, is really how he'd look at it. Um, now I was I was fishing school and fish, you know, for the most part. Um, all all those rounds on on Lake Toho and, and Saturday, um, the, the fish just didn't school quite like they had, you know, those first two days of my rounds. Okay, and they did a little bit, and I was able to catch some fish on. Uh, a Berkeley, it was a Berkeley power bait, power swimmer, uh, throwing it on a, a Buckeye G-Man finesse swim bait head, okay. just casting the fish that were breaking. If the fish broke and I got a cast to them, I was just about certain I was going to get, you know, I was going to get that bite and, and catch them. And, and I did catch, you know, a number of fish Saturday doing that. But like I said, they just didn't, they didn't come up and, and break like they had the first couple of days. So. Uh, it slipped off and it got, it was sunny and it got really calm and the fish weren't schooling. And I switched up and went to a, a double, you know, a double rig. Like, you know, guys around here call it a double fluke rig, but I was using the, you know, the Berkeley Power Bait, Power Jerk Shad. And I just started fishing it over that same water that I'd been fishing those first couple of days where the fish had been schooling, just fishing it fast, just like I do here, you know, on these lakes around South Carolina. And I caught, and I started catching them and I okay. caught, um, a, a good number of fish and a couple pretty good fish doing that. Um, which, and yeah, pretty much, I mean, at the time that, that was saving me and it was keeping me in contention because it got really tough on me. And I went a while not getting a bite. Yeah, I pulled that out and, and started catching again and put myself back up there in the top five or so. And then, then it got slow later in the afternoon and I had to move shallow and I caught, I caught a big one on the jerk bait and a couple more on the jerk bait that kind of solidified my place in the top 10. But, um, pretty much, I mean, techniques that I use here, um, on these lakes around South Carolina is well, I mean, that same thing I did down there on, you know, on Saturday. And moving on to Sunday at Lake Garcia, it was a completely different type of lake. It was much shallower, a lot more, um, a lot more cover and just not near as much open water as you see on Toho. Right. And I caught the fish that I caught there. I did catch one flipping Berkeley pit boss in a mat, punching a mat, but. It wasn't until the sun got up and the fog cleared off and right. I got back out into the lake that I saw some fish, um, or I saw some beds. You know, you could see what looked like beds. And the first cast that I made at one of the light spots, I caught one on the Berkeley bottom hopper, a uh, wacky rig, just a green pumpkin, you know, basically a green pumpkin finesse type worm, wacky rig. Okay. And the second light spot that I threw out, I caught one. Third light spot that I threw out, I caught one. And it just, I mean, after that, I'm just, you know, looking for light spots. And, yeah. and, and as the sun got up, I started seeing some fish and seeing some cruising fish and, and bedding fish. But, um, again, that's a technique that, that I use on a regular basis here on any lake, for that matter, around the country. I mean, that, that, that wacky worm and, and especially that power bait. That's the first time that I've fished the Berkeley power bait. And I had just gotten a lot of my baits in, or in fact, most of them the day before I left to go down there. And so, you know, I hadn't, you know, I had fished with some Berkeley baits in the past, the okay. hollow bellies and things like that, but I had not fished that, you know, that pro design bottom hopper until that, you know, until that day. And, and I was just really, I mean, I was really surprised how many bites I got on it. Cause I, I did catch a ton of fish, caught a lot of non-scorable fish as well, but, um, you know, probably, I would venture to say I had probably 40, you know, 40 bites in a couple hours on that bottom hopper fishing at Wacky style. Now you, in those second, those last two periods. Now you were nail, you had a nail weight in that. So tell us a little bit about how you're rigging that. Yeah, I did. You know, you're, just, you're rigging it wacky and, and technically it's called a, 
I mean, they're going to, people are going to refer to it as a Nico rig okay. when you add the weight to the head, but you're still, and you're still wacky rigging the, you know, the worm just anywhere in the center, you know, anywhere from the center. And I usually go a little bit forward towards the head with okay. my hook. I, almost like the, if you look at a lot of, a lot of plastic, you'll see what they call an egg sack on that worm. And, and I usually either hook it through that egg sack or slightly behind it. Okay. And then when you add the weight to the head, either just a lot of people use just a nail. Some people use a tungsten, a you know, tungsten insert weight or whatever you got will work. And when you add that little bit of weight to the head, it's just going to make it, it's going to sink head first, you know, like a typical, um, shaky head or anything like that. But yet when you, when you pull up on it, it, it obviously has a different action because of where you have the worm hook. But I mean, this is a, that's a rig that catch fish on every single lake in the country at, at multiple seasons of the year. So it's definitely something to make sure that make sure that you know how to use and it's not hard to do it. You just gotta do it. So I mean just make sure you remember to try it whenever you go out and you live and catch fish doing that. I hear you. Well fourth place, you uh you beat over uh, Alabama again. Uh it's gotta feel good. <laughs> and I, you came off the lake Sunday, and, and I was like, "Hey, fifth place!" and 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 you were like, "Yeah, fourth place." I was like, "Oh, they got you in fifth And He said, "Well, I I caught a fish right there at the end." And you judge your mar, your official came over, and he had certified it. You ended up in fourth place. I told you you beat Randy by a couple of pounds, and just a uh, just a great first tournament for you. It was. Um, it was. It was good to, like I said earlier in, in the segment, we had, it was good for me to get off to a good start. Um, I'm not sure how the, I think you're going to see a lot of, there's going to be a lot of parity in this, in this major league fishing, this bass pro tour. Cause if you look at the guys fishing, uh, any one of the 80 has potential to win. Um, and, and, and I'm not taking away from, you know, the guys that fish FLW or sure. fish the elites, but. Um, if you, anybody can go look at the standings, you know, from the FLW over the years or the leagues over the years. And, and there's always a group of guys that kind of stand out above the rest and, and are typically up there in that top 20 and, you know, are making more cuts than, than other guys. But I think with this, you know, with this group of guys, with this 80, you're going to see, you're not going to see that as much. And there's going to be a lot of flip flops and there's going to be a lot of battling as the year goes on because everybody, everybody's going to be able to catch them. And, and, and sometimes you're just not going to catch them as well as the other guys, and you're going to finish down. And, um, and as I, I think just as the year goes on, you'll, you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot of movement in the standings. Um, but after the first one, I'd, I'd rather be in my position after the first one than, than sure. on the other side of it. So at least I got one behind me and I'm in good shape, but um, it's going to be a battle all year for sure. Well, it's a battle, but but like you said, every fish I catch counts. And and in the past years, that's been so frustrating um, to be able to catch fish one after the other, other and and not make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it keeps you engaged during the course of the day. I mean, a lot of times, let's just say you, you had a decent morning and you got five, maybe fifteen pounds, but then all of a sudden you're catching two pounders and they they're they don't mean anything, and you kind of get discouraged and you know, it just it's it's not fun. Um, but in this thing, every time you catch a 16 ounce fish or bigger, I mean, it's, it counts. And so it just, I mean, every bite you get, you're hoping that he's a, you know, 16 ouncer. Cause if you get him in, you know, it's going to count towards your total. So I think it keeps you more focused, keeps you more engaged as the day goes on. And if you lose one, um, you just lost whatever he weighed. You lost <laughs> it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times, 
he's thinking back at other events that I fished. I mean, you lose a you lose a two pound fish or a two and a half pounder, but you already had you know a, a good bag. It doesn't matter. It didn't cost you. But I don't care what you've got for weight in this format. When you lose a three pounder, you just lost three pounds. And so it makes every fish every fish just counts more. Um, to me, it makes for better television. It makes for you know, it makes for a better event for us. I mean, just because it it's just plain more fun. Well, off to Lake Conroe, end of this week, going to be there next week. Uh, and then Raleigh, then Chickamauga. I think MLF is supposed to release a couple more lakes here in the next week or two. It, uh, shaping right. up to be a pretty good year. What do you, what do you hope you finish up at the end of the year? Let's take, let's, let's, let's have a little, have a little wager here. Where do you think you're going to end up in, at the end of the year if you had to guess right now? Fucking, uh, <laughs> Yeah, standings. Yeah, standings. Where are you going to finish? I'm going to, I mean, I don't know. Um, They're not paying. I don't think we have an angle of the year payout, so it's all for show. Um, Right now, I mean, obviously you'd love to to win it, and it would be recognized. But, you know, we have a top, we have the Red Crest, which is, you know, which is the major league championship. They're taking the top 30. So I'm not going to put a single place on it. I'm just going to tell you that I want to finish in that top 30. Okay. If I, can, if I finish in that top 30, then I'm going to be happy with this year. Okay. Good. Sounds good. Well, look, good luck in Conroe. Thanks for doing this for me today. Um, can't wait to watch a little bit of MLF Live next week. And, uh, of course, with with uh, the elites going on, there's going to be a lot of people out there with two computers going. <laughs> one yeah, watching Bass true. Live, so- one watching MLF Live. Going to be a, a real decrease in the workforce of fishermen next week. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And that, and also, um, I just now have been able to start watching the, the live stream from this past one. So just to remind everybody, you can get on the Major League Fishing app or on their website and go back and, and watch the, the coverage from throughout that tournament. So if you, if you did happen to miss it and want to see it, you can go back and catch just about every single second that, that happened during that event. So definitely check that out. Very cool. Thanks, bud. Have fun. Be careful going to Texas. I'll talk to you uh, when you come home. All right, sounds good. Talk to you then. Thanks, Anthony. See you. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. I know that was a lot of fishing, but... uh, been a lot of changes in fishing over the past year. I mean, this the MLF guys have been going, I think, nine years now. I think the original started in 2011. It was a very few guys, and they they kind of fished around the tournament series, the FLW and the Elites, and it is it has always been a catchway release on the water format, and they decided they wanted to do a a, uh, a professional tour, and so they... Really just debuted this thing, I think, September of last year, maybe? August? I mean, the rumor started at ICAST in July that what was going to happen, and then it came to fruition. It's, yeah, and on this podcast last night, I asked the question. I said, where do you think things are going? I mean, you know, and it came, kind of came out that, look, there's a segment of, the, of our fishing community that is going to be, I want to see five fish at the weigh-in tank. That's Bass and FLW, and I think they're going to be a long-lived. I mean, FLW with their with their uh, 
strong, strong, what do you want to call it, triple-A class, the the farm league that, that FLW has feeding anglers in the professional ranks, and you got bass, has got the same thing to an extent. The FL, MLF doesn't have that yet. I know they're talking about doing something with the farm league, but there's going to be a segment of the fishing community that loves that. There's going to be a se- uh, segment of us that, that love the the new format. And if you're like me, I'm going to be watching all three. I mean, there's one weekend where all three tournaments are fishing the same weekend. I'm going to have, I was sitting there thinking last night, okay, I got a smart TV over there. I've got my desktop and I got a laptop. The, 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 the hard part's going to be which volume button do you turn up to listen to which one? So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. Now the elites are down on St. John's this weekend. Uh, Bass Live will be on as on, well, it won't be on after the show, but tomorrow will be on. Uh, you know, Davy Height, Tommy Sanders, Ronnie Moore, those guys are doing a great job with that, always have. Uh, be interesting to see because I'm, I'm recording this early because I'm going to be in Columbia Saturday. I have a, a meeting with, state meeting with the Quality Deer Management Association, some other things to do in Columbia Saturday. So that's why it's, I'm saying what I'm saying that you could watch this stuff. So, but yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see where it all falls out. I think there's room for all of them. Um, I don't see, you know, with having to have an official on every boat, they take, they're taking 50 officials to each tour stop. 40 of them will be active. 10 of them will be, uh, replacements. I mean, I had one of the guy that drove me around in my media boat was an official and he was really cool from Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, Larry Brown, we're going to not Larry Brown. Larry was my boat driver on Saturday. But uh, we're going to have a fun time. He's going to be at the Classic, so it'll be fun. He's, he wants to take a look at uh, Falcon Boats. We're going to make that introduction and see if we can't get him in a in a bird. Well, let's uh, let's do a calendar of events, which is always is brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pine Landing Events. So I was talking to Neil the other day. We're going to have to get Neil up here because, man, this year is down at Green Pond is slammed full of fishing tournaments. It is going to be a bumper year for you people out there that want to go, maybe are, are fans and want to go be there, some of you that don't have a clue what professional fishing is all about or high school fishing, or it's all going to be down there this year. So we're going to get Neil on, and we're going to talk about all the events coming to Green Pond Landing this year. But right now, if you were in the market for a boat, you can go to the Columbia Boat Show tomorrow. It's, a, it's today and tomorrow. But uh, at the U.S. at the fairgrounds, they're right next to the University of South Carolina uh, football stadium, 1200 Rosewood Drive. Admission eight bucks for adults, free admission for kids twelve and under, and uh, go check out some boats. Just man, there's a bunch of different boats out there. All the new aluminum boats, all the aluminum bass fishing boats out there. I was at the Greenville Boat Show talking to Marty Walker about Boat Center. I said, Marty, we need to talk about boats on the show. So we're going to have that on and give you some of the the pros and cons, some of the differences uh, on all the boats out there. But if you're in the market for a boat, got the Columbia Boat Show this weekend. Are you ready to, this is always fun. I'm, I'm a, you know, I hunt a lot, but, uh, every time I go hunting, I have my binoculars and I'm easily distracted. I'll tell you that. I just love being outdoors and uh, I spend a lot of time, especially when I'm deer hunting, watching birds. There are so many different kinds. They're uh, all colorful this time of the year. So it's a really good thing. And, and every year I go to this, it's the great backyard bird count. February 18th, 15th to the 18th. It's one of the premier birding events across the continent around the world. 
and they want you to be a part of it. It's launched in 1998 by Cornell Lab of Ornithology and National Audubon Society and joined by Bird Studies Canada. The Great Backyard Bird Count was the first online citizen science project to collect data about wild birds and display results in near real time. Now there are more than 160,000 people of all ages and walks of life worldwide who do or participate in the four-day count, but you don't have to do it for four days. Here's how you do it. For at least 15 minutes on one or more days of the count, February 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, simply tally the numbers and the kinds of birds you see. You can count from any location, anywhere in the world for those 15 minutes. And then you... You create a free online account to enter your checklist at ebird.org, and uh, you can put in exactly what you see. Now, to, to be a bird watcher, there's two things you have to do. You've got to have a pair of binoculars. How many times do I, you know, I'll add that in with the camera. A pair of binoculars is essential to this, and you need a bird ID book. So, I mean, you can get a good pair of binoculars for 100 bucks. Keep them in the house. There's always something to look at, whether it's birds, airplanes, your next-door neighbor, whatever uh but you need to but uh, there's 6400 species of birds from 100 com- countries 180,000 checklists so uh get involved it's fun it could be a family thing sitting there for 15 minutes watching the birds for 4 days that'd be fun so anyway the great american bird count the great backyard bird count the east cooper river oyster roast during seaweed february 15th uh you can find more information there. It's the Ducks Unlimited Oyster Roast Low Country Cookout. It's happening at the same time. So a lot of things to do. I, I pulled up seaweed here because I'm, I'm running out of time because it's coming up in a hurry. The 15th, 16th. So that's next weekend. Wow, is it already here? Dock dogs, always a big part of seaweed. seaweed. There's some of the things going on. You know, the Let's see. Um, all the exhibits around Charleston, three different locations, the art, the decoy dealer exhibition, art of the decoy special exhibit, animals in winter. These are some of the seminars. Uh, they have a sheep and duck herding demo. Uh, the birds of prey is always one of my best ones in Marion Square. Uh, watching all the hawks and the vultures and the owls flying around and getting a real education. The Bush Wildlife Sanctuary Show is in the Gilliard Center. Again, chef demos. Oh, 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 The one of the best things is the certified South Carolina grown tent in Marion Square. Go in there and find stuff that is grown right here in South Carolina. It's made into stuff you can eat. Chef demos. All this is taking place in Charleston next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Southeastern Wildlife Exposition Center. And that does it for the calendar of events. I will be down there at some point that weekend. Got an invitation from O-Search to go back out on their boat. I'm going to try to merge the two together. It seems like I got one more thing down in the low country I've got to go to. I'm going to try to make it a, a, a big old trip down there. Pack it all in. So, as always, make time to get out there, whether it's to seaweed, springtime hike, fishing. Just get out there. Take the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera or the binoculars in this case. I'll be back next week with more Woods and Water South Carolina. I'm gone, Carolina, in my mind. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.